0: Hey there, we're those sci-fi guys, and this is that those sci-fi guys show. Just two working dudes, different lives, different jobs, but a whole lot of love for science fiction and the fun that comes with. We are your hosts. I am P.S. McKay, coming to you fresh from the MCU. Well,
1: and I'm D.T. Caveman, and <laughs> I definitely sound a lot fresher than you do.
0: <laughs> the COVID tried to get me, man. Tried to get me. <laughs>
1: As long as but you was, stay out of the hospital, you're still winning this one, man.
0: I know, right? <laughs> and this is the problem. I got the I got the light version, not the one you got. <laughs> it's still not gonna be on my rear end. Triple vaxxed and everything. So, <laughs> good times. Um, you're sounding good though, DT. How are things?
1: Well, you know, it's been kind of an up-and-down week at work already, and it's only Tuesday, so...
0: (laughs) Uh, (laughs) It's a crazy week, huh? Liz, it's only Tuesday.
1: (laughs) I'm just not getting up at at four in the morning like I had been all last week, which is uh, Uh. one of the reasons why we didn't record last week that, and you decided to go and sign up for another round of COVID (laughs) the infection. Dude... You're supposed to go and get another COVID booster. That's what it is. Not go and get COVID again.
2: <laughs> you misunderstood
1: what the CDC is putting out. Right. They well, put I don't need to get it now. New, <laughs> put out a new booster to the vaccine not <laughs> to fight new variants, not go get the new variant. Right, (laughs) misunderstood.
0: I I should have written it down. That was my fault. (laughs) Always, always look it up on the
1: CDC. Don't take it straight from uh, Typhoid Joe. Okay.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's a good point. So you know, sage advice that will be written down next time. Sage advice. (laughs) Yeah. So. Well, in the meantime, I mean, we had a we had a Labor Day break and everything. How how was your time? Real fast before we jump into it.
1: Uh, you know, I had a long weekend, and uh, you know, we started off with a family game night, which was kind of neat. Um, oh, nice! Both sister, so we were all here, and then we all went down to uh, the Rhode Island coast. Uh, oh, all, all seven of us. Coast. Yeah, and that was nice. Sunday was, you know, Sunday was, was, it was, you know, kind of low key. Uh, And then Monday it was a torrential, it was downpour all day, but it was the last day at the pool club. So I took my kid over for the last day. So they had a party and I mean, it was warm. It was in the 80s. So the kids didn't mind jumping in the pool.
0: No, not at all. That's actually, I always liked those days. You felt kind of, like, impervious to the rain, you know?
1: Yeah. <laughs> and at times, just it made the pool feel warmer.
0: Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that too. Oh, well, that's nice. That's very nice. You? Well, I got infected in L.A., I'm pretty sure. <laughs> So,
1: folks, let me go ahead and introduce you to the most obvious statement you'll hear all night.
0: Uh, <laughs> not going to tell you with what, though. Oh, boy. Um, Lord. Yeah, I know. So the missus and I, we spent it was our anniversary weekend. Um, That's right. Oh. Yeah. Looks like you. you guys
1: had a good anniversary.
0: We did, we did. We got to, we went to the USC Rice game, and uh, that was a refreshing sight, I gotta say. Um, And then, and we got to walk around campus, and we saw where we got a picture where we'd met originally 22 years or some odd years ago, or I don't remember how long, a long time. And then, um, and then, uh, let's see, that was Saturday, Sunday. Here's the sci-fi aspect. I, the missus and I, saw John Williams at the Hollywood Bowl,
1: and I didn't realize he was still bowling into his nineties.
0: Oh yeah, he awesome. bowled a two seventy five. I know, <laughs> not quite the not quite the perfect three hundred, but who does?
2: So
1: you know, I mean, he is in his nineties. I mean, I guess you could cut <laughs> him a little slack.
0: I think he's like ninety. I did the I already looked this up. He's. He, 92 or something 93 I don't know something like that but um his uh the first uh first half was David Newman which is a family friend of his who's also a composer he's done a lot of Hollywood stuff too and then we when saw he walked
1: out did he go hello Newman
0: <laughs> no but I, I I did literally think that when I saw him come out <laughs> um but then we got to see John Williams and he did. I mean, he's just as spry and, and sharp minded as ever. Um, he did the Imperial March and everyone took out their lightsabers that brought them and basically conducting in the air. like that, that, He does that now because he loves what it looks like. He just stands there on the stage and looks back at the audience as they're doing it and just this big shit-eating grin on his face. Like. <laughs> yeah, that's
1: what Garth Brooks looks like when he just stops singing halfway through one of his classic songs and the whole yeah. lot of Singing along. My like so friends right. in low places. Yes,
0: you know, you're so like right. Yeah. Like th- those two, I mean, they take that moment to truly appreciate what they've built and, and they probably still can't believe it, you know? Well, um, I mean,
1: I, I think I said it before. Williams is probably right up there with. Uh, John Philip Sousa is the most recognizable and accomplished American composer. I would agree with that. Not not that there are many others who are quite good, especially in the cinematic scores and and well, that's uh, where know, the new show tunes. But yeah, I mean those two have completely enduring, you know, sounds and just the scope of work, so to speak.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and it, it it is a truly like Americana sound too. I mean, John Philip Sousa most definitely. Um, but you know, John John Williams has his own flavor, and we talked about this. I mean, his strings and his French horns, and you know, well, I
1: know how how much you like horns. Oh, I
0: love the horns.
1: Did you bring uh, your horny for Williams sign?
0: <laughs> I should have, but I didn't. <laughs> um. So you know, he got to play some of his classics, and he did a neat treat. He said that the week before they had just wrapped up recording the, for the score for Indiana Jones 5. And the director went to him and said, listen, John, take one of these new new themes and, and play it at the Hollywood Bowl. And so he did. He played he played us Helena's uh, Helena's theme, who's being uh, Helena is the character being played by Phoebe Walker, uh, Phoebe Grace Waller or Bridge. Pho- you thank you phoebe waller bridge and it was very pretty i think it's just bridge um it was very pretty
1: something that goes across water
0: yeah exactly um but i mean it was very cool to hear that you got to hear music that has not been published yet Uh, a john williams original too
1: which is neat. A, it's kind of like when you go see one of your favorite artists and they play, let me play you something off my forthcoming album. <laughs>
2: yeah. Normally people,
1: are, you know, particularly people have been around a while and you're like,
2: eh, did I pay yes. for this?
0: <laughs> I, wanted, I wanted the hits, please. <laughs> no, this is different. This was, this was exciting because it was... Um, yeah, just, you know, something that that I don't know if it's ever been done very much in the past, but I, I could be wrong. Um, but it was it was a neat little insider um, view to Hollywood and, and the magic part of Hollywood in the movies, not the ugly business side. You scratch my back, I stab yours, you know, so. But we had a good time. We had a great uh, a great weekend. So that was my little foray into that. And then I came back and my my uh, glands swelled up the next day. And uh, it's been history ever since.
1: <laughs> well, that, my friend, is most excellent and epic. Yeah. And, and sorry. <laughs> well, In I that appreciate- order, excellent, your anniversary, epic, John Williams, and sorry. Yeah. yeah stop trying to copy me you bastard
0: i do i i know well i'm you know i mean you gotta i can't help but copy greatness so (laughs) all right well dt what brings us in while my corpse is still a little warm
1: well uh one of the things that you've heard me talk about from time to time throughout our discussions particularly when it comes to a lot of these sci-fi militaries is You've heard me mention their uniforms. Some I like, some I don't. Some missed opportunities, Mm -hmm. Uh, because as you've also heard, you know I'm served in the military, so uniforms are a big deal for me. I like it Mm -hmm. when they when they look sharp and they look right, especially like when you're watching something that's supposedly modern or historical. Like, (laughs) yeah, that's not where that goes. That's the ranks wrong. (laughs) No, so I'm that guy, but um,
0: Well which I, is why, you, can't, you can't think otherwise. I mean, that was your life.
1: <laughs> and which is why, uh, in addition to my usual TT Cavman hat, I'm actually wearing a piece of uh, one of my uniforms. This is one of my favorite pieces of uniforms that the Army ever gave me. This, really? This is my tanker jacket.
2: Ooh. <laughs>
1: You know your your tank crewmen. They we typically when you're in a, an armored vehicle, you wear like a Nomex jumpsuit that's very similar to a flight suit. Yeah, uh, because it's supposed to be able to protect you. It's like flame retardant and it's you know a one piece, so it's less. Uh, it gets supposed to get caught up less than you know a regular uniform as you're going in and out of these tight spaces, but. You know being the army we try to be prepared so we also have a really great jacket now if you watch some of these old world war ii movies and you'll see like particularly the tank guys like in fury brad pitt they would wear like kind of like this puffy jacket Mm -hmm. and then it's made of similar material it's a it's a nomex base flame retardant but it's it's for colder weather and uh it's so comfortable it keeps it nice and warm in fact, the fact that it's, it's you know still September and it was in the 70s today, it makes it a little warm that I'm wearing it. But <laughs> I didn't. I felt like throwing on a jacket rather than trying to pull out a piece of uniform for this. So. Yeah, well, you know, that makes
0: sense. It's a it's a sharp looking jacket. I like it.
1: Uh, I love this thing. And <laughs> before I retired, I made sure everything was pretty updated on it. Mm-hmm. So.
0: Nice. Nice. Well, wow.
1: yep. I like uh, it. Including a few patches that actually have been on uniforms for many, many years. Huh. So yeah. How, how, where
0: do you, how do you go about that? Do you, do you do your own patches or is there like a patch like is there a, a I don't know, a service that does that in the military?
1: Uh, you, you know, you go and you buy your patches at our, what we call our clothing and sales. And that's where you go and all of your appropriate uniform items are. And then usually there's a seam, there's a seamstress shop or, you know, there's a you know, um, a tailor shop either right there in the building or close by and outside of a military town. There's tons of yeah dry cleaners for uniforms and a lot of them are tailor shops as well. So, you go and you just have the things, and the ones on base definitely know how to do it. The ones right off base make their money doing it for uh-huh. that. It's it's a it's a crapshoot if you take something to get sewn in, in non-military <laughs> town, and I trust me.
0: You've you've seen the you've seen
1: the
0: the <laughs> the horror sometimes,
1: huh? I've had it happen once or twice recruiting this stuff when we weren't near the the military bases. So occasionally, Uh, you know, I'd have to bring stuff with me when I would go to a military base just to get it done right. Oh, my God. (laughs) But I love this thing. And uh, I I will be that guy who will wear this this winter and I will not feel any shame or anything about it because, man, is it awesome.
0: You are a major, man. Are a major. You are a major. Sorry. I didn't mean the past tense. My apologies.
1: I am a retired major, which means I can sign my name, DT Cavman, and underneath I can put Major R, U.S. Army, because I am. Right. A, that can be my signature block, should I want it to be.
0: Yeah, well, I mean that's. I don't. I don't know if a lot of our listeners understand how much of an accomplishment it is to get to that rank, but. I'm blown away by it. I was blown away when you were a captain. (laughs) So
1: not that I didn't think
0: you, not that I didn't think you couldn't do it. I just, I just, I'm like, wow, he's an important guy. Like
1: (laughs) he was to say, captain means a lot more in the, uh, waterborne ranks. Uh,
0: (laughs) No, true. (laughs) Wasn't Tom Hanks a captain in uh, saving private
1: Ryan. He was. He was an Army captain in Saving Yeah, blood. And he was, I want to say, a commander in the Navy and Greyhound. Greyhound. Which I still need to see because it looks awesome. To but I just couldn't chill out money for yet another uh, streaming service. I've got enough right now.
0: They're all on, like, fire brand sales right now. Like, Disney Plus is doing ninety nine for the next six months or something. Month. Um. Is it a month and then I don't know, they, they they catch you or see I didn't even look at the fine print, I just saw a dollar
1: ninety nine. So but it's okay. All right. I got Disney Plus for free for the first year because they had a deal with Verizon. Nice. Nice.
0: Well, actually I suggest you, you package it with Hulu and um because those are the two best streaming services in my opinion.
1: Well, Hulu right now, I I had been given a few gift cards for it, so it was a moot point. Yeah. I didn't need to package it. Somebody else was paying for it.
0: (laughs) Okay, so uniforms. Like, where do we want to start? Do we want to start shows, or do we want to start certain genres? I mean, sci-fi.
1: But Well, I'd like to start with uh, Babylon 5.
2: Okay. All right.
1: Um, now, Babylon Five differed from Star Trek in that they freely admit that Earth's is Earth Force is a military.
0: yeah, they didn't shy away
1: from that. Yeah, no, Which, I mean it 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 was the military I mean it was I
0: mean, I'm sorry, I didn't cut, I mean I didn't mean to cut you off, but the thought came in my head. Do you think Star Trek shirked away from the idea of Starfleet being a military because of the
1: '60s? Possibly, but then again, most a lot of the guys who wrote, you know, weren't you know were like Gene Roddenberry was a was a World War II veteran. I'm yeah. Sure, there was quite a few because it was like 20 years, so I'm sure there were quite a few World War II veterans in the uh, writer room. Maybe some of the mm-hmm. older folks, some of the people on the set, hell, some of the cast.
0: Yeah, some of the cast. I mean, some of them, yeah, some of them were victims of World War II. Uh, yeah, you Decay. So I know, but Babylon Five. Um,
1: and of course, but Gene Roddenberry, of course, was. You know, it was. He claims it was supposed to be his positive vision of the future, right? So. He was dreaming like of like NASA on steroids is really what Starfleet. Was. <laughs> And you only had weapons in case of emergency. That's
0: true. And astronauts have, like, ranking systems and, and a
1: commanding officer. And Well, that's because um, there are military astronauts, and they're yep. the ones who usually run the missions, yep. fly the shuttles. And then you have your scientists who a lot of them aren't. So
0: you can see that kind of melding together in the Star Trek universe, in a sense.
1: And some of the earliest astronauts were actually Army astronauts because the Army Air Corps hadn't yet fully split off to become the Air
0: Force. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. I forgot about that. (laughs) So Babylon 5.
1: Yeah, so they're a military. So you, uh, you know, they... And their ranking structure gets a little nebulous at times, the occasional blending of Navy and Army ranks, so to speak, a little. Uh, but overall, you know, they they do have some military protocol. Uh, you don't have a comp- a very deep command staff on Babylon 5, but mm-hmm. I mean – you have Sheridan reporting to various generals and admirals over the years. Yeah. Uh, Sinclair as well. You know, Sinclair was a commander. So Ivanova, his second command, was a uh, lieutenant commander. Garibaldi mm-hmm. was actually a warrant officer, which was kind of, which is kind of this specialty rank that goes in between officer and enlisted. Oh, really? Uh, kind yeah.
0: of like what uh, they eventually did with Chief O'Brien. Right yeah okay, which is
1: why Garibaldi's uniform was gray.
0: yes, that makes sense. I thought it was so, a security thing, but he didn't have he didn't have security people in gray report to him, did he?
1: No, they all had like the olive drab with like brat with like black
2: uh, yeah.
1: highlights. Those were the Joe's. That's what you know, those were his grunts. That's what Zach Allen was before he took over for Garibaldi.
2: Mm-hmm. And by the
1: time he took over for Garibaldi they were all wearing the uh, updated kind of sweet looking purple and gray numbers that the Len gave them all when Babylon five succeeded from earth force. Now the earth force Navy uniforms their or their earth force space fleet uniforms were blue and they were pretty sharp. I mean, they obviously were more, those were their functional uniforms. You really yep. don't see them off Babylon 5 a ton unless they're on a ship. So they're usually, you know, you're not really seeing them in dress,
0: dress uniform. I or, mean,
1: it's it's like they're, yeah, it's it's kind of like a, a semi-formal wear. Um, yeah. The Army used to do that when they had the green, it was like, we call them the class uh, class A's. They were like a semi-formal compared to the formal dress blues. So mm-hmm. back in the old days, recruiters would wear those ah. a lot and <laughs> have them at, at you know, meetings. And you'd see dudes wearing them on, you know, to go talk on Capitol Hill, then mm-hmm. merged the blues and called them the ASUs. And we kind of put a few extra things on them. But we got rid of one uniform. It was just a few minor adjustments to the blues that turned them into a dress uniform or a duty uniform. And now with the advent of the uh, basically the World War II era uniform coming back, that is basically the, the uh, replacement of our green class A's. So those minute. are the semi-formal it's- ones you'll see. General Milley wearing them on the hill when he's talking. But I believe dress blues are still that for formal functions. So
0: Okay, so the World but, War II era were the dress greens.
1: Yeah, they're called the they're called pinks and greens is what the nickname is of them. Um Huh. But anyway. Uh, Babylon five, you know, they, they had that uniform and then their ground pounders, which you see very rarely, but you see them very prevalently in the excellent second season episode Gropos, which is what they call their ground pounders. they yeah, mobile infantry or whatever they want to call them. Basically it's their was, ground forces. And, was that
0: the where Garibaldi kind of got into a relationship with one of the female ground pounders?
1: Right. And Franklin's dad was the general. Yes, that's right. His dad was the general, and then they have, they were, they were so overloaded with, uh, 20,000 soldiers that they were, like, putting them in people's quarters, and they dumped, three dudes in with the, uh, two or three dudes (laughs) in with the, with the, the pilot, which Uh kind of led to some, that actually was some pretty good, uh, some pretty good, uh, you know, bonding moments, uh, you know, I, I love that episode. It's a great episode. Um, it was good. Of, there was a lot of heart. There's some decent humor, but it was it had a rough ending. It was tough. It, was, it had a very tough ending.
0: I, I mean, it was one of those it was one of those episodes that I saw like six years ago going. Wow, this is a lot better than I ever remembered it being like so much more thoughtful, so much more. um realistic in the sense of policy with lack of resources and people having to double up and triple up and quadruple up. Yeah. Uh, Cause that's what you just got to do.
1: Exactly. And it's
0: not something you see in star Trek, which is what I was a fan of at the time. Um, oh yeah.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: So I liked that and I really liked, I don't know if you want to go any further, you can, um, I liked the Babylon five breakaway uniform, the independent uniforms more than I liked the earth force uniforms.
1: Well, the earth force uniforms, you could tell were stiffer, right? Mm -hmm. They had the kind of like leather collars
0: and the leather leather side. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Where where their epaulets were, you know, their shoulder boards where they would have their rank. It, it, It just struck me as very stiff. Mm-hmm. The other uniform was a little more form fitting, but it was also looked like it was a more comfortable uniform.
0: Yeah, it was sleeker. It just it looked it had better it had better lines to it.
2: I felt
1: well. The other one looked like it was more of a parade ground kind of semi yeah. dress uniform. Now their dress uniforms looked very similar. Only they put all their medals and stuff, and then it was actually a, a kind of a blue gray, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which you would see Sheridan wear early they would wear them in the council meeting when the full council would be on there. Um, but very rarely after that. Um, and then, you know, uh, you had the, uh, yeah, that was about it as far as uniforms. I mean, like the Centauri had this very British Empire meets Roman Empire kind of.
0: Yeah, sales.
1: yeah. With a little bit of helmets, kind of like uh, German Empire from World War One, kind of helmets. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it was kind of a, it was a very imperial mix. Like you could yeah. see elements of Tsarist Russia, um, Imperial Germany, the Roman Empire, and. Like the color scheme, almost like the, they were like red coats, I think, <laughs> <laughs> um, of the British Empire. So they were very old imperial, which of course goes along with their whole persona. Mm-hmm. But I uh, also, I mean, the Narn, it was hard to tell. I mean, they all kind of wore like the same kind of like puffy pseudo, like puffy Klingon armor.
0: Yeah, yeah, they did. Um, they did. The Narn always reminded me of the Klingons with their. And you hear the leather crinkle. Oh,
1: yes. They creak yeah. a lot. <laughs> uh, the Minbari were very. Well, the Minbari military wore black. Uh, but, you know, the rest of them were like a lot of robes, a lot yeah. of robes for the Minbari because, you know, the whole spiritual whatever. But the Ranger uniforms were kind of like a hybrid of the Minbari military. I liked Mm -hmm. them. Uh, They were kind of like... Almost like...
0: uh, Is that what what they were called? The ranger uniforms?
1: Well, the ranger... They wore... you know, uh, No, no, no. The rangers. Those were the humans. The the ones who were designed... They were uh, created to fight the shadows. They kind of had like a Minbari-ish type of uniform, but they were almost like... Kind of like ninja uniforms. (laughs) (laughs) They were cool. B5 had... Decent uniforms at least from the fact that you know they were a little they were a little bit more uniform than Star Trek, which had all these different bright colors at least at times
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, yeah I mean like our Air Force, their primary dress uniform it's a it's a blue yep, you know they got blue. the Army Marines where you wear this the drab, the greens. So you know that's what B five did. Although you mainly see the, you know, the navy part, the space fleet, right? Although right. you'd have these random generals who would show up and they're wearing the blue uniforms, and you're like, dude. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know what? I here's the thing that always happens. <gasps> I don't think there were any admirals in Earth Force.
2: There I do not generals?
1: recall. Yeah, they always reported to generals. I don't recall. You're right.
2: And,
0: there was no, there was no admiral. I don't remember. Their, say, them saying admiral at all. Yeah, that's an interesting deal. Did they have the similar ranking system to the navy? No, and, they didn't. Well,
1: Earth Force did. Yeah, they all. Yeah, but then, but then you'd also have um, sergeant major. You had yeah you know you had a couple you heard about majors and, and colonels and generals um, yeah but it was mostly the space force focused I'll say this because then you move on uh really quickly the and you really see it mostly in season two when you have lieutenant Keffer as a main cast member he was the 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 uh, star fury pilot and they had flight suits that's It's generally what he wore all the time, but he had, (laughs) they had flight suits. So Mm -hmm. it looked like that kind of looked like a flight suit, but moving forward a little bit, crusade, they started off with these kind of black uniforms, yeah, which, you know, when they had some highlights, which I liked, I thought they were pretty good. And then they had this these shitty gray and red ones that came out, <laughs> very evocative of the shitty gray uniforms from Starfleet in the twenty in the thirty first century or thirty second oh, century in seasons, in season three of Discovery. It's just very, yeah. uh, very Confederate. Just never really like gray Confederate. as a primary.
0: I like it that. really term. doesn't
1: strike. I don't really like gray too much as a primary color. Uh, for yeah. Like my team, you know when i watch when I watch a uh, when I watch a team with a gray uniform, it usually means in baseball it means it's their away uniform. but yeah, <laughs> I don't know, just grays never really struck me as a um, as a good uniform color. It just has a negative connotation for me,
0: yeah, that makes sense.
1: But, you know, cause I guess the original plan was as they they have these fancy uniforms. And then they were going to ditch him after a few episodes because they like oh. suck. So. <laughs> but I, I liked Crusade's original uniform, the the, the the black number. I thought they were they were pretty sharp looking. Yeah. And because it was running concurrently, well, not concurrently, but because the person who took over from Sheridan and Ivanova in season five of B5, Captain Lockley, because she was a recurring character on there, and she was still in charge of B-5, whatever it was, five years later. She was still wearing the traditional Earth Force uniform. It's kind mm. of almost like how you have all the different Starfleet uniforms.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no, that's true. That's interesting. Uh, your insight into Babylon 5 is, is very illuminating, and I, I appreciate it. Yeah. Um... I still haven't watched it all. I mean, that's just the the, the modern Mac lament, isn't it? I haven't watched it all.
1: <laughs> well, it, I will say this on B5. It is a great show. And the uniforms are pretty decent. You know, a little stiff. Mm-hmm. You, know, you really don't see them. You know, actually, what they do have is they have combat uniforms. Anytime people are boarding, you'll see Garibaldi leading the security teams with a helmet and, like, flak vest on.
0: Yeah, yeah, I appreciated that.
1: Yeah, because it's It makes realistic. sense.
0: You're supposed to have some kind of, uh, you know, armor protection when you're in security, especially in a situation like that. Mm-hmm. So, which is why I never understood why modern, I quote, unquote, modern Star Trek from the 90s didn't have that same setup with their security detail. They did it in the movies.
1: They did. And we'll get into that later on, but. Star Trek has so many that if we bleed into a part two, that that'll be part two. That'll be
0: the whole thing.
1: Yeah. So I want to talk about some other ones. But first, why don't you talk to me? You know, you liked watching Stargate, right?
0: Yeah, that's kind of uh, (laughs) a it's kind of a cheat, though, because remember, Stargate was it, it was run by the Air Force. Yeah. And so you had all these all these officers and, and and soldiers, you know, wearing greens and blues which most of the time when they weren't on duty, when that well not even when they were on duty, but what I'm saying is when they weren't off planet, like cuz they would wear their, you know, their not BTUs, what do you call them?
1: Well, back in the 90s when the show came out, they were BDUs, battle dress uniform. Yeah, At least the army version. Now the Air Force They've cycled through some uniforms. Back in the '90s, they actually wore a a, a similar pattern to us. They just had their name tags or like blue lettering and stuff, or yeah, like blue and and brown lettering where we have uh in in the in the '90s it was like this kind of black on green.
0: Yeah, you know, that's stars. really they did a lot of that uh, in Stargate.
1: Their uniforms, I mean, like the general. his his, that was his class a uniform you know he got out of that a little bit later (laughs) (laughs) but that was what but when you would see him i mean that was relatively accurate it looks like they tried to spice it up with some special ops type of uniforms and some i mean did it look like it was something feasible for the time period sure was it 100% accurate to 1990s and early 2000s uh, <laughs> US military not 100% but no and i know it's, they started developing their own uniforms when they did Atlantis and universe and stuff like that so
0: yeah and um so let's talk a, a little bit about that in a, in a second but my biggest question about stargate was The the officers there, especially, especially Jack Mm O'Neill, played by MacGyver. What's his name? MacGyver. He usually walked around in green pants, a black T-shirt and then an unbuttoned coat. Like like it wasn't it was, you know, the same uh, same green kind of coat or he would wear a blue ensemble. The same thing had all these pockets everywhere, but it was a loose fitting flowing coat. You know, and I never understood how that was a, a a decent uniform to wear while on duty, on base. But
1: well, I let could me be put wrong. you this way: the special ops folks get a lot of privileges.
0: <laughs> they would be special ops.
1: Yeah. They would be. And so <laughs> some of it is because, like, they can wear their hair longer, grow beards in order to not stand out as active duty military um, to be able to blend into the surroundings. So they, a lot of times they'll train and work in civilian clothes or hybrid kind of uniforms. Or like when they went into Afghanistan, you know, like in 12 strong with Thor leading the special forces guys in there, they'd wear (laughs) some stuff that might help, you know, some, it would wear some um, uh, dishkaz or not discus, um shemogs. Yeah. Uh, and some, occasionally at times, robes to help them blend in so they wouldn't say, oh, hey, look, shoot the Americans. Yeah. <laughs> but, no,
0: it, I get it. I understand. But even Daniel Jackson wore the same thing.
1: which Why? Because, I mean... It, We would, when we would go overseas and we would sometimes occasionally have special civilians assigned to us, Uh uh, they would wear like some form of, they might wear a camo, some form of camouflage, no rank. Right. You know, um, just to kind of blend in so they wouldn't stand out.
0: Yep. Yep. Uh,
1: And a lot of our interpreters did too. We started giving issuing them uniforms with no ranks, so it was harder for them to be picked out.
0: Well that makes sense. okay. It was just it, it was an interesting observation that I never I couldn't I, I would try to look it up online. I never got an answer. <laughs> you know, I even went I even dressed up as Daniel Jackson for Halloween for an, for an office thing. And I even went to an army surplus store, found a very similar loose-fitting, flowing jacket, um, and wore that, <laughs> looking like okay. him.
1: So, here's one of the before we had a lot of moisture-wicking clothes. Yeah, uh, you'd see guys wearing loose-fitting type clothes because it the air circulated better in there. Okay, because in in the extreme heat and whatnot. You don't always wanna roll up your sleeves and stuff and expose your skin to sunburns. No. So no. you'd see guys wearing like loose fit like we would be deployed and we wearing our you know, in Iraq it was like our ACUs, but, you know, rather than have our cuffs buttoned or, or velcroed up tighter like we would stateside so that our uniforms are more crisp and together, we'd open them up so that they were loose the air could flow out better yeah um, it, it, we we were allowed to modify our uniforms for the weather to a degree or wear of the uniforms so
2: yeah
0: that makes sense okay yeah. well, so thank you oh, for clarifying that that that's been yeah. a, an issue for me
1: <laughs> now we have a lot more form-fitting moisture wicking like undershirts and then like if you watch say seal team on paramount plus they'll have tactical shirts which are almost like partially like camouflage sleeves they're essentially designed to fit under body armor mm. mm-hmm. they're like a they're like a like a form fitting like neoprene or you know some form of moisture wicking Yeah, um, and uh uh You know light wear you know uh, workout wear kind of gear yeah yeah but they kind of fit to your body but they breathe better and uh you also have uh you know the it's easier to throw your your uh body armor on doesn't get snagged on things it fits
0: yeah
1: it's easier to take it on and off plus when you're dealing with like special ops, you can wear like the smaller plates and whatnot. They're a little tighter to your body. So
0: gosh. I love I love our modern military technology.
1: I love it.
2: Pretty good. <laughs> it's, pretty good. it's not bad. Like it's the
1: third bad. generation vest I wore in Afghanistan was much better designed and it 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 you know went over and it fit more snugly and uh it wasn't you know because some of the earlier ones were bulky mm-hmm. and they didn't fit as well and they got caught on stuff mm-hmm. this was tight it was it was form-fitting it wasn't like tight tight but it was it was snug to the body it felt it, it was easier to maneuver in yeah so yeah. it gone a little too low and it was right right at your hips where this was a little higher up and you could Ooh. move around a little bit more
0: yeah yeah that makes sense That makes sense. Um, Well, moving on to Atlantis, where it got a little bit more um, sci-fi-y, so to speak, Stargate SG-1 was always, you know, had a level of realism, and the producers were always like, well, what would our modern military do in this scenario, as it stands in its current existence? That was, like, their base level, right? Yeah. With Atlantis, they could take I mean, these people were abandoned in the Pegasus galaxy. So, I mean, they, they could take a little bit more uh, uh, liberty with with their, their uniform. And, and it was also a, a, a civilian-run uh, operation with military support. Mm. So they actually took the Star Trek route because what else are you going to do? I mean, Star Trek was all around at this point. And the the writers for Stargate are are Star Trek fans, um, so they went with a more color coded you know uh, level uh, where command had red, like like in TNG, military had black, um, uh, science was blue slash purple. It was kind of like a mixed like a, uh, a dark periwinkle sort of, uh, yeah, <laughs> and medical was yellow. So, and they had a different version where it was, you could see the colors, like, go down the fronts of their chests on both sides uh, in the first couple seasons. And then it, when they got, like, more jumpsuity uh, to One Piece, then they had it, so you saw the colors right over their shoulders, diagonally. Um, and, and I liked I liked the second version of that a lot better. Uh, mm. But again, it's still a lot of it based. They went a little bit more military in the the last few episodes, last few seasons. Yeah. Uh, for a jumpsuit with practicality behind it, rather than just having like right, you know, pants and a jacket. Um, still military-ish. Uh, don't get me wrong, because the 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 military wore the same exact stuff, just different colors. So. <laughs> um, and then they, they and then they had their battle dress uniforms and everything too, of course, which what looked a lot similar. It was always black. Um and it, it looked it was basically almost identical to the untrained eye of what SG one was doing.
1: You wanna know why when we when we went back to the green camouflage, why we didn't just go back to the same pattern as before?
0: Um I always thought it was designed by computers, but
1: well, when we went away from the what we call the battle dress uniform, the woodland camouflage,
2: yeah, yeah,
1: we went back to what we call the OCP now. After the weird gray ACU years, which was just, <laughs> yeah, but the one of the main reasons why they did away with that style is because we had black in it and black actually doesn't really occur in nature at least not in vegetation right so we stayed towards the greens the browns the the lighter browns and a little bit of tans in there which actually helped us blend in a little bit better than the camouflage we were using now granted at night it didn't matter as much but this was supposed to help us stand at the blend in a little better during daylight hours. So that's why the black came out. That's why we're not wearing black boots anymore. We're still staying. We're wearing brown boots. So
0: That makes sense. That makes all the sense in the everybody world.
1: Everybody wants people to wear black uniforms. Because it's supposed <laughs> to look cool.
0: Yeah. It's an aesthetic. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you, may, you may still have some special ops folks. Wearing black during night ops. But typically. Oh, they're. Yeah they're darker camouflages because what happens if your op runs long? That's a
0: good point. (laughs) It's not like there's a specific timetable that can always be met.
1: Typically when you're running kind of special ops, you really do need those timetables to be as close as possible. Oh, I know. (laughs) (laughs) We have a tendency, we, we, we went away from black but everybody wants the cool uniform looking dudes to have black. And let me tell you, if you've ever had to stand outside in the summer in a dress uniform, uh, even for a short period of time, navy blue is not great. And black isn't any better. No. Meat. That's why they went away from wearing the beret outside as a, as a daily uniform um, when we all got the black <laughs> berets. They said one yeah. day you, when you're in the motor pool working on your vehicles, they're actually wearing wool black berets down there. <laughs> Half your face roasting off when you're standing in concrete and under vehicles. They finally were like, you know what? Let's go back to the camouflage baseball cap for things like the motor pool.
0: Yeah, that makes sense.
1: <laughs> now, Speaking about another fictional military. The uniforms on SeaQuest.
0: Yes, let's talk about SeaQuest.
1: So the first season of Sequest, which was generally the strongest season, it was its most popular year. Uh, you know, it was kind of like...
0: That was appointment see. viewing for me.
1: It was appointment viewing for a lot of people.
0: We talked We talked about it every day on the bus.
1: Yeah, every Monday. It was It was fun. It was kind of like a... Near future, actually, uh, we're, we've surpassed like the first two seasons of Sequest right now, and we're, we're in the oh, middle. Shut we're, up! We're waiting shut for up. the jump to season three. Twenty
0: thirty two? No! How yeah. dare you?
1: <laughs> so,
0: I'm always like the one thing that caught in my mind about uh, Sequest was there's this guy on the beach and he was going through his like music collection and then he's like, and he stops and he goes, listen, I don't have a lot ever since they stopped making CDs. And I, I remember, I remember that it just stands out in my mind. I'm thinking, Oh, they might not make CDs at that point.
2: Well, Whoa. CDs <laughs> that
0: just come out. Yeah. Well, they were, I mean, they had they had started to reach a, a pinnacle in in uh, popularity, like right. they started overtaking the the the, the tape.
1: Yeah. Um, but so much like your Stargate people, so Sequest was originally it was originally a military vehicle, and then I think it was developed by the the U.S. Navy, and then it was given over to this fictional United Earth Ocean, which is kind of like the underwater UN. Yeah. Uh, and
0: also a very corrupt and terribly run organization. Oh wait, are we talking about the UN or
1: no? Both. Both. Oh, okay. It turned out to be both. <laughs> okay. But but then in. Uh, but then when they bring on Roy Scheider's Nathan Bridger, you know, and they start outfitting them with a science with science crew, and it's like fifty-fifty or something like that. So all the military wore black jumpsuits. Yep. Yeah. And they had undershirts, much like Deep Space Nine would have, that were like the the command people were white. I think security and engineering was red, and then all like and but then all the scientists wore like a blue jumpsuit. Which uh, I'm looking when you're I'm going a,
0: through it right now. Yeah. When
1: you're in a submarine. It's really a moot point. <laughs>
0: Seth Green was in an episode of Sequest. Did you know that? He
1: was. I do remember.
0: <laughs> Photon bullet.
1: Yeah, it was. I think Tim Russ was in that episode.
0: Oh, he might have. Yeah. Um, gosh, <laughs> it's all on Peacock right now. Free to watch.
1: You know, like, I had I bought the first season on DVD during my first tour in Iraq.
0: And oh, I yeah. forgot.
1: It was really good. They actually got William Shatner to guest star in an episode. I
0: remember that episode. And then yeah. they
1: had Mark Hamill in season 2. I and
0: I wasn't able to watch it because I think X-Files switched over to Sundays.
1: Maybe. I don't remember. Um,
0: something it was something where or, it was a Sophie's choice for me. Yeah. Like you don't have to worry about that nowadays, you know.
1: <laughs> they brought they brought in a few sci-fi veterans, Kent McCord Yes, starred uh, had a recurring role, and he he was in, I think he was in, Galactica eighty or something like that. You you, you got you got some sci-fi people showing up. Um,
2: mm-hmm.
1: Obviously, Shatner and Hamill were huge gets for Sequest. Of course, Scheider was a huge get because he was the dude from Jaws.
0: Yeah, he was he was coming back to take it over. <laughs>
1: yeah. So, this is
0: yeah. this is my sea. <laughs> Jaws.
1: So it was you know the first season they they kept those that uniform scheme and then after they blew up the original quest and rebuilt it they came back with a more military uniform that had a lot of straps and like uh buckles and stuff on him and everybody wore uh the uniform. Yeah. And yeah. And that's the same basic uniform they ended up wearing in when they came back in 2032. Mm-hmm. Um, they did have dress uniforms that that I think were very reminiscent of the U.S. Navy, just like slightly tweaked versions of the U.S. Navy uniforms. Yes. Uh, for the future, they had the peanut butters for like shore duty, and then they had, like, dress uniforms, which were, like, sport coats kind of thing. So, it was, um I mean, the U.S. Navy doesn't wear jumpsuits on their submarines. No. <laughs> but you could see why that might make sense. So, you yeah. could get away with it. Plus, it was also, like, it wasn't the U.S. Navy. <laughs> yeah but they were kind of neat looking uniforms and technically we're in the we're we're in that range right now
0: it that sickens me that you 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 made me realize this because they totally missed the covid plot in sequest they totally missed it. <laughs> well, I
1: think they skipped like two years between seasons one and two, so maybe they had it.
0: They might have. <laughs> oh god.
1: <laughs> oh shoot, that's funny. So uh, <laughs> the uniforms weren't bad. They they were at least different. Yeah then when we uh, let's go ahead and jump uh, to another one we've discussed. Space above and beyond.
0: Yes, that was going to be my next thought, which I, to the life of me, do not remember much on their uniforms, because especially. 30 years later,
1: basically, um, there wasn't a whole lot of difference between. 1990s Navy and Marine uniforms and current Navy and Marine uniforms. Um, really? Yeah. Their dress uniforms were pretty much the same, which I'm sure was great for costuming budgets.
0: Oh, uh, sure, yeah.
1: The tactical gear was about the only thing that changed. I mean, they were basically wearing flight suits that looked didn't look out of place on a 1990s aircraft carrier for a Marine yeah. squadron. They wore the Marine dress blues, the high-collared dress blues. I'm I do scrolling not...
0: through a bunch of photos of uh, space. Queen wore a yeah. black
1: jumpsuit because that was yeah. the color of his original squadron. I don't know if we have any that have those, but that's about it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. their their helmets. I think they their helmets were. I think they were using. Updated versions of the current of the Kevlars of the time, the Kevlar uh-huh. we were using. They update, you know they they threw some cool looking shit on the tactical uniforms,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and they weren't wearing. I think they were wearing olive drab. They were tactical yeah. uniforms rather than wearing uh, a camouflage. But that was about it. I mean, for the most part, their stuff looked just about. <laughs> Just, Just like about they're... on
0: par with now.
1: Yeah. Yep. So okay. uh overall uh, their helmets, you know, their space helmet their flight helmets were different. But yeah.
0: That was really well they would bad.
1: have to be. Because
0: weren't wasn't it more like intuitive guidance control?
1: Probably, but it also showed more of their face.
0: Yeah, that's true too.
1: Which is really good for TV.
0: The hell you say, (laughs) which is
1: why Tony Stark always looks like he's got his head in one of those giant, uh, you know, 1920s uh, dive suits. Yeah. (laughs) When they do the Iron Man.
0: Well, that was that was a revolution in storytelling, my friend. (laughs) I think he would say that he would spend like a week sitting in that helmet. You know, while they did all those uh, takes, like with the cameras and stuff around, (laughs) which, I mean, you got to admit, it's a pretty intuitive uh, uh, camera angle that they used.
1: Or not. I I mean, I mean, it it is and it gives you that kind of feel. But, of course, it's 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 the physics don't work. (laughs) No, of course not. Because we don't care, we really don't. No. <laughs> Just pointing it out. Me out of it, but it is something I've noticed.
0: Yeah, of course, of course.
1: <laughs> that being said, great, great, and uh, another one of those great sci-fi shows that deserved a better chance uh, was was um, Space Above and Beyond. Now, I don't know. moving into. The Orville. Which is straight up a ripoff of start, you know, the original series. Rip off Homage. And a little column A, a a little column
0: B. There is a fine line between those two.
1: All right. So it's definitely an homage. Okay. We definitely know that Seth MacFarlane is remaking the next generation. Which is fine because it's been entertaining and they've done some different things. And they and they you know, we talked about he does have a wharf and a data.
0: <laughs> he had to he kinda he had to trick the network into letting him do Star Trek without doing Star Trek. I,
1: know.
0: I know. <laughs> that's all he wanted Star. to do.
1: He created wharf and his own data.
0: He literally went to CBS and said, I would like to buy the Star Trek property off of you. And then they said, hmm, let's think about it. And then Les Moonves was like, well, if Seth MacFarlane wants it, that means it's worth something. So we'll do it instead. So that's what happened. No word of a lie. He literally went to uh, CBS and asked to buy the rights.
1: I know. You've brought this up every time we've mentioned the Orville. Literally every (laughs) time we've mentioned the Orville.
0: And I'll bring it so. up every other time because I won't remember this again.
1: <laughs> Pause. Yeah. Okay. So the uniforms. Color-coded. Yep. Definitely not away team-type uniforms. No. They are, you know, in some ways they really look they look a little bit more like some of the B5 uniforms. Yes. They have the shoulder boards. Mm-hmm. Have, you know. Uh, they're they're a mix. I mean, they've got the bright colors. Command is blue. Uh, you've got uh, orange Medical's is green. Orange. Yeah, medical is green. Orange is for engineering and ops. Security is red. Yep. And then admirals are purple. The admirals are purple. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's the, that's 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 the flag. Rank is purple. Yep.
0: And Adrian Pilecki hated them.
1: She doesn't like the uniforms.
0: She didn't. They they were so uncomfortable and hot
1: for they her. Must have. They must have had to have made an adjustment to them.
0: I they I bet they did for the third season because they had the time to do it. But I don't know. I don't definitely not for the second season. But, yeah, she, she she was on K-Rock being interviewed and <clears throat> part of me. And she she was like, yeah, uniforms, they need a little bit more work.
1: <laughs> I got you.
0: But I at mean, least they didn't have like a communicator on their chest.
1: No, um, <laughs> they, they look sharp. I'll give them that. They look they look very sci fi and very official.
0: And we got to see the dress uniforms in, in the third season.
1: What were they, white? Yeah, they were white. They had to be white. Of course they were white. (laughs) Well, Our Navy has dressed white, so I mean, why not? Yeah. I mean, and and I'll I'll say this. You got to make sure that the uniform is somewhat comfortable for these people, particularly the ones who have to wear prosthesis. Oh, my God. And I'll, I'll give this to the Orville. The cuts on the female are not quite as severe as as some earlier iterations of Star Trek. Yes. They don't look as figure-hugging.
0: No, and I, that's what always, that's what, even as a young, even as a young pup, me, I would see the, 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 the female different uniforms versus the males, and I'm like, come on, guys, just, you know... <laughs> I, it just, I know I knew it was Hollywood, but it just felt horrifically unfair for these actresses to have to deal with it because it yeah. just it, it most certainly was not a practical cut.
1: Oh, no, no. And particularly, you know, without diving too deep down the rabbit hole on Star Trek, because we'll get to that eventually. But particularly like Seven of Nine and um, <laughs> and T'Pol, those were extremely. Snug,
0: Paul. That was in this century.
1: I know. <laughs> you know. Um, Deanna Troy's definitely looked like they could be comfortable because they they were form fitting, but they looked like they moved. Yeah, they were they were light and airy and, and seven, seven into Paul's early stuff were they had cages. They wore cages to, to structure the the. The the, the cat suits. Oh, I know it's it's unfair. It Um, was, and we'll and we'll have another episode. I'm sure we'll talk about the problems with females um, in sci-fi. But that is not this episode. This is the uniform episode, and I tell you, my friend, the Orville, very bright and colorful. Mm -hmm. It's fine. They do not have a tactical uniform. No. Which is very much like the next generation. Yes. And I get it. But it's stupid. <laughs> oh, they did. They finally showed us the tactical uniform, and it was this season.
0: Oh, and the battle for
1: um Well, the... Kelly and Bordis also wore them when they went under when they went to rescue Topa. Yep. Yeah. And but it was very similar to the Discovery era uniform just like a vest i think yeah just went over the uniform <laughs> and... I have to
0: look this up now but um it wasn't it wasn't anything that made you think that they were wearing a completely different uniform
1: it basically looked like they were wearing a tactical vest over it so there was it was kind of like discovery they wore a tactical vest over the usual uniform yes I tell you one thing I wouldn't want to wear a a tactical vest Over my class A's
2: (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs)
0: Oh shoot, no, that's not it Come on, where's that Old wounds, no I'm sorry, I'm keeping I'm keeping you Here, Uh, Midnight Blue, here we go And I have no idea when I'm actually going to come across said. Nope, they won't. Never mind.
2: <laughs>
0: no screenshots of it. So
1: it happens, my friend. It happens.
0: I, I, I trust you. I just wanted to see it.
1: Um, and they really haven't shown any variations of the uniform. The uniform basically looks the same from episode one to episode whatever, 35 or whatever, or 40 yeah. or whatever the last episode was.
0: It's like 33 episodes or something.
1: But it basically looks the same, doesn't it? Yes. Yes, it does. And I'll, I'll say this for the Orville. At least it's consistent with that because.
0: Oh, my God. Many
1: shows the <laughs> uniform changes almost every year.
0: If you're modern Star Trek, it is every year. In fact, halfway through the year, you change the uniform.
1: <laughs> looks like Strange New Worlds is going to break that streak
0: we can only hope we can only hope did we wanna i mean we're we're coming up on like 70 minutes now well it's a little over 60 um do we want to d- dip our toe into some star trek or did we want to find Not one more non star trek
1: i got one more non star trek
0: and we'll and we'll go big- into part 2 i think we'll go into part 2 for star trek
1: well i mean Let's name off some of the sci-fi shows that we've discussed, right? B five, B five. No, no. In oh. in general, right? Yeah. Space above and beyond. These are all episodes. These are all shows that we've done. Episodes at Stargate. Okay. Yeah. You know what we? You know the biggies. There's two biggies. Hmm. Star Trek and Star Wars. Oh yes. 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 I think we'll need to st- jump into Star Wars. We may not finish Star Wars today, but we need to jump into it.
0: I love the Empire uniforms. I love them.
1: I Again, love them so much. Ray not my jam.
0: <laughs> no, but their cut is so great.
1: <laughs> it's very
0: severe. It is severe, Which and goes I along like
1: along with the feel of the empire being severe. well
0: because they yeah they are severe yes I mean yeah that's that aesthetic choices is, is done on purpose to make them look more evil and everything um I always felt that those uniforms looked just so professional too even though
1: yeah
0: everything we saw was a lack of professionalism
2: in military accord
1: <laughs> well you mean uh Imperial officers being randomly choked in the middle of a yeah in the middle of a conference I've never identified with a with a person more, as an adult, is watching Darth Vader finally (laughs) lose his shit and choke a coworker during a meeting. (laughs) Like you, i.e.,
0: you were sitting there going, "I'm glad that's not me." Or, "Man, I wish I had the force choke ability to do this to you."
1: (laughs) Oh, today I had a meeting where I wanted to go and choke the presenter.
0: Oh god! Complete
1: fuck douche.
0: Oh no. Yeah. I hate Smug, those. Smug,
1: smarmy, superior Billy Ray Cyrus looking motherfucker. Oh, no!
0: Yeah. 1993, achy, breaky heart, Billy Ray Cyrus?
1: Oh, yeah. Smug, oh. not a good look on a guy who looks like he does meth. Oh, boy. Yeah. So it was not a great... That, yeah. <laughs> I kind of wished I was Lord Vader in that one. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, that's true.
1: But you're so, right. The Imperial Uniforms their penis caps weren't particularly good look.
0: No, they were not. <laughs> I would agree with that. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta, you gotta stunt them somewhere, right?
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So in that's some ways, point. it was
1: very evocative of the French kepi, which we also kind of started wearing a bit during the Civil War. The officers yeah. would wear more of a kepi like the French. The enlisted mm-hmm. would wear more of a a what they would deem a forage cap, which was still sloping, but it was it could expand. And a lot of people would they would fill up with water in a stream or throw food in it at the lunch at the channel line, that sort of thing. But
2: hmm.
1: it had a little bit of that feel. Um, yeah. Also, a little bit of the late 19th century, early 20th century Army, U.S. military dress cap. What they call the pillbox cap, which was basically a little round pillbox on your head with a little brim. That was basically no brim. It just went on your forehead. So (laughs)
2: um,
1: similar to those type of uh, headgear. Mm -hmm. But Stormtroopers had armor.
0: I love the armor. I wish it actually did something, though. (laughs)
1: <laughs> the, I mean, you had the Death Star troopers who had the shovel helmets and the black uniforms. You had the gray Imperial uniforms. You had you had a white uniform, which that guy turns out to be Imperial Intelligence. Uh, Is that right?
0: You mean Krennic?
1: Yes. yes. So that was him, and then the guy who was silent with a big bushy mustache they actually retconned that later in years to be uh admiral ularen from the clone wars who stayed along uh, to be, turn, became head of imperial intelligence interesting yep so a guy who had fought for the republic became very Tron wore white yes and then the then later in legends the grand admiral's uniforms were white. And then they finally brought that back into canon when Thrawn showed up in uh, Rebels. uh, Rebels. So yes, for the most part, because the Grand Admiral became like the it. In Legends, Palpatine only had 12 Grand Admirals and if they lost one or if one was arrested, they would, it was almost like the Knights of the Round Table. Somebody would be promoted to fill that void, but there couldn't be more. So. More than
0: more than sixteen. I gotcha. Twelve. Twelve. Um, yeah. You're, well, I mean, I was talking about the you know the grand admirals.
1: Was it was it twelve grand admirals?
0: Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I heard sixteen for some reason.
1: It's okay. <laughs> but anyway, you're right. And then and you see a little bit in the background. Um, but I think maybe on Endor, but more during. Uh, Solo, do you see actual Imperial Army, not the Stormtrooper Corps? Yes. And you see them in Mandalorian, particularly in season two, when they have to break into the Imperial base.
0: (laughs) Bill Burr. Bill Bill Burr's finest episode.
1: (laughs) That was fucking amazing.
2: It was, was it not? Excellent.
1: (laughs) He's a guy who's not even a Star Wars fan who gives maybe the best performance in the entire show. <laughs> he
0: really does.
1: And, it's and, for like, and for a very rare time, you actually got a, a bad guy, Imperial, who wasn't a Brit. He was like...
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, he's, he's, he's from Boston. He's from Southie. <laughs> no, no, no,
1: no. Not... not not bill burr the guy he's oh. facing off with he's like some southern fried dill hole oh
0: yeah i have to re-watch that episode that was such a good episode
1: not saying that there's anything wrong with the south folks it just had this smarmy attitude with this no, the southern drawl yeah so it was uh yeah space boston that's where that's where space bill boston <laughs> Do
0: you think they have a, a Space Boston garden?
1: <laughs> no. no. It's, a, it's a dome. Oh. <laughs> um no, it was like you were
0: was, genuinely answering me.
1: <laughs> so you, you you get that, and that was cool. Uh you got to see you know, the Imperial Army, it's like the stormtroopers are supposed to be the best of the best, right? And then they'll have the Snow Trooper armor. And then all the different, like, the Death Troopers that you saw in Rogue One. Yep. And uh, you saw in Kenobi, actually.
0: Yep. Yep. Um, leaving
1: leaving the, the Sith and the Jedi and then the Inquisitors and all of them out of it. The actual uniforms were, were not bad. Um, the Clone Troopers... I think they had the best uniform. They had the best armor, anyway. Apparently, yes. uh, generation one, did generation one clone armor was supposed was supposedly much better than what the stormtroopers wore. And and Rex, even during the later generations of clone armor, he kept a lot of his original Gen One clone armor. And his uniform actually becomes a bit of a hybrid by the end of Clone Wars. And he's still wearing it when he's in rebels because he's like, "Yeah, this shit's better." He, he's like, "Yeah, it's like this is better than imperial uniform." And then he's, him, he's like, "I hope you bring a better breed of soldier than those stormtroopers." When he's mouthing off to the empire. Oh uh,
0: yeah, <laughs> good old Rex.
1: Oh yeah, Rex was the man. Uh, <laughs> so, and one of the things I loved about the clones, and is that. Each unit started, you know, they all started off shiny white uniforms, right? Yes. Then they later started doing color schemes to to denote different units, much like we started. The U.S. military really started doing badges during the Civil War where they started putting little icons on their their caps Mm -hmm. to note which big unit they were from. And then they did like red, white, and blue for first or second, first, second, third division. So you could go, Oh, that guy's got a clover. we he's from the uh, red clover. leaf. He's from the first division of the uh, second corps. you know? And so yeah. at least you could do a little identification about <laughs> it, um, which of course they were the four forerunners of our, our unit patches, which we wear on our uniforms to this day. But, that's what the clones started doing and it was and you start watching and they kind of almost get a little World War II vietnam with some of the little markers they'll have like a little, <laughs> yeah, little, little like cut marks on them where like they killed a whole bunch of you know clankers or as they call <laughs> them but they started to individualize a little it's why they all had different hair color or, and haircuts and stuff like that there was very few ways they could differentiate themselves from each other.
0: Mm-hmm. So But each clone had their own personality. You gotta admire that they went for that.
1: I know, which was and there were some great episodes revolving around that. Mm-hmm. You know. You got a couple of scenes where they're admitting they, they think that they're expendable and nobody nobody uh you know, why should anybody care? And like you have a couple of Jedi like Yoda and Plo Koon and whatnot who are like, no, you guys matter to me. And so fostering their individuality. And so they uh-huh. all have different unit schemes. And then the commanders have like the, the different pauldrons and the skirts and, you know, stuff to denote rank and, and position. The ARC troopers had different gear. Then they had the public commandos, which looked like uh, kind of like Metroid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but they, they you know, like uh, Rex and was serving with Anakin, that was the 501st and they had the blue, like the, the kind of the Navy bluish color scheme. And Obi-Wan's was like the 212th and they had like this yellowy, like this dark yellow, almost an orange color. Mm hmm. And, you know, and then you have, like, Plo Koon's guys, the Wolf Pack, they were, like, gray. And some people had, like, Mace Windu's dudes had, like, purple or something like that. People had different colors, so you could pick them out. Right, right. Then the Empire started to phase that out. You'll see that, you know, when they... Which is kind of fascinating.
0: You know what? You know what I found um, jarring in... Uh, Revenge of the Sith was during the whole Clone Wars saga. Like, so Attack of the Clones, and I'm just talking about the movies. They're not talking about the Clone Wars TV show. But you got Attack of the Clones, and then you had Revenge of the Sith, and they were in the yep. thick of it with the Clone Wars then. You never saw the naval uniforms until the very end, once the Empire kind of came into fruition, which technically didn't yet, but. Mm-hmm. You know, Palpatine was firmly in power now, and the sudden you saw you saw all these people wearing the these Empire you know military uniforms. I'm like, where the hell did that come from?
1: Well, you, it was so jarring. But if you watch the Clone Wars, that they're was wearing. The- well, you know, you mentioned uh, the Republic uh, Navy. You're right; we don't see it during the movies, but if you watch the Clone Wars, the Republic. Navy basically wears like a lighter version of the uh what would eventually become the Imperial Navy uniforms. Like oh you know how the you know how the Imperial Navy was kind of a a grayish green? Yeah. Yeah. Uh Clone Wars makes it look, I think, a little more gray, just like a straight gray. Okay. And you'd see like Admiral Admiral Yularin, who's the guy who's always command of the, the starships. Uh, that um
0: Is he the one Obi that's always that's uh, <laughs> always doing the voiceovers in the beginning?
1: It's the same voice, but yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that's that's it. But the Imperial uh, or the Republic Navy, that's the uniforms. It's pretty much the same thing. They just don't wear the penis hats. And uh, <laughs> and you'll see Your a handful. Term. You'll see a handful of <laughs> Of uh, soldiers, or um, you'll see a handful of random people there, but most of the crew of those ships are clones as well. Yeah. So, <clears throat> you see a lot of that, but the occasional random admiral, and then you meet Captain Tarkin. Right. Later season, who then becomes Admiral Tarkin.
0: Right. So, Which, yeah. you know, I. And I understand that. That makes sense. The problem was the, the <laughs> Lucas didn't show us any of that in the movies, and I just I no. felt it felt whiplashy at the very end because I'm like, wow, everything just changed all of a sudden that quickly, and obviously well, it could have been always like that, which obviously jumped,
1: Clone Wars showed it was. We jumped three years from the end of uh, Attack of the Clones to Revenge of the Sith. And in that time, an entire interstellar war has been going on. Right. Really, you see the first battle of the war in like the last two. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah. So. The battle for Coruscant and Order 66, basically. Well,
1: and then the battle on Utapau. Yeah. Well, you do see clips of the other battles as Order 66 is going on, I guess. Right. Probably more accurate to say, but. Um, yeah, so that's kind of what's going on there. Um, that's why the Clone Wars is so important to Star Wars is that it fleshes out the things that the movies can't get to. And it makes it a much better and richer universe.
2: hmm
0: Well, I do appreciate that extra knowledge, you know?
1: Yeah. Um, exactly. You, you get all these various uniforms, which, you know, at least... Now, would I wear all white, you you know, body armor to a battlefield? No, I would probably have. What you do see on Kashyyyk is a uniform that's kind of mottled, greenish. Yes. The guys who who try to sneak up and kill Yoda, the clones there are all wearing some mottled camouflage, which is funny because on no other planet do they... Do that but they're, <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> they're not wearing bright neons when they're on et's planet which is an et's planet like, but it is <laughs> when that Twilight jedi whom i know i should name i know the name too
1: um, yes
2: when so she gets gunned female?
1: down. yeah so yeah i completely get it man you see all of that um mm-hmm. It's funny, makes me laugh, but, uh, you know, then you move into the Rebel Alliance, which by the time of Rebels and Rogue One, they've kind of developed this kind of brownish uniform code, you know, it's like they got like the Mm -hmm. tan kind of Base and then they have like brown hi, brown and gray highlights. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, of course, then you have the Mon Calmari uh, where grays are, or whites like Akbar is wearing a big white uniform. Um, and a lot of his people are wearing white on his ship. Uh, the so. Mon
0: Calmari, like basically the backbone for the Resist, uh, not the Resistance, the Rebels
1: they became one of its most important members because the sh- according to even established canon like admiral Radis, the guy who was in command of the uh fleet during the battle of scariff mhm so like him and akbar were like with two separate like groups but they the ships that they escaped with were basically either cruisers that had been, like, because the Mon Cal had been building these cruisers that were, like, pleasure cruise ships kind of thing. hmm And, or, and some of them were actually parts of their cities, which had yeah. the ability to escape. So, like, they, when these guys broke free from Mon Calamari, which had been oppressed by the Empire, like many others, they brought these ships with them. So... Right. These right. Big, what were supposed <laughs> to be like luxury liners eventually Cruise became ships, very yeah. stout cruisers for the uh, rebel alliance? It became basically their frontline capital ships.
0: That's an so. interesting uh, interesting conversion. Yep. Is that touched upon in in um Clone Wars Cannon. in Canon? Or is it is it just the books or
1: I think it's the official comic books and some of the the source documents that have come out since Disney bought things. So it's technically considered canon. I think the most specifics are in expanded media like comic books and other books. So mm. Interesting. But Admiral Akbar actually served as captain of the Royal Guard of Mon Calamari during the Mon Calamari Civil War and the Clone Wars. So he was actually, he had a couple of episodes during the uh, during the Clone <laughs> Wars.
0: Did they have the same voice or did they have a mimic?
1: I think it was a mimic.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, because the guy who did Mon Calamari's voice... Or, I'm sorry. Admiral Akbar's voice. My apologies. In um, Last Jedi, he sounded a bit frail.
1: Well, he died, I think.
0: He was, yes. He had died prior to the movie um, opening. By the but way, he.
1: And with that, Akbar had a shitty death scene. He had no death scene. Exactly. Yeah. Which was. A fucking crime. Yet another crime. Another crime against. You know. Against uh, well established. Characters. uh, During the. uh, You know during the sequel trilogy. Uh, Apparently in the comic book. Version of the. Last Jedi. Akbar gets a final word. Where he. Where they see the, the fighter streaking towards the bridge and he just looks around and he goes, It's been an honor serving with you. And then they oh, get
0: I wonder if they had that in the original cut and they took it out.
1: Oh, that would have then that's a shitty cut. Yeah. Yeah. Well it's that's that's Ryan Johnson eight. for you. And, and, and <laughs> was not a huge character, but he was a character that had some some fans.
0: Yeah. He, I mean he He's lore. Uh, I mean, it's a trap. Uh,
1: come on now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so. I like how the calamari uniforms look like giant-like bibs. that are kind of like ponchos almost. I think it was just to be able to get them up, you know, around the bulbous <laughs> yeah. heads. Um, I
0: always felt they looked like uh, alien uh, astronaut
1: uniforms. Yeah. Which is kind of goes along with it. It's kind of neat.
2: Yeah. Uh,
1: um, I, I actually kind of like the camouflage uniform for the indoor infiltration team. No, that was good. Um... They have the, the the ponchos, which is a, another thing that they it's why snipers will dress in those ghillie suits. Yeah. And that's why they'll have you like, you know, put things in your uniform when you're hiding in the brush to break up the outline of a human body. And that's mm-hmm. what those ponchos that they wore kind of did the tactical camouflage ponchos. To be honest with you, I didn't hate the helmets either.
0: No, helmets were great. I loved those helmets.
1: They weren't great. They were good. They were better looking. They they were fairly serviceable. I think, you know, since they're so wide that mm-hmm. you know, unless you had something come up underneath that, if you fell back, it would protect your dome. But you know, uh. They were pretty good tactical units uh, uniforms, and again, another retcon is that there's you know there people have been trying to retcon <laughs> that the the old guy on Han Solo's assault team is actually Rex.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I think
1: Which they've hinted at. Felony has hinted at it because
0: in the uh, he didn't of Rebels, they it. said
1: Rex sir, fought at the Battle of Endor. Oh, uh, yeah. So. Okay. And Rex actually started, uh, towards the end, I think he ended up starting to wear the Rebel Alliance, like, browns and greys uniform. Probably because he didn't want to
0: get shot. (laughs) Wearing the enemy uniform, or a variant of that, you know what I mean? (laughs) I was thinking about that. I I could... you can admire you can admire that mark one uniform all you want or the mark one um armor
1: but if it's gonna get you shot <laughs> like well, doesn't rex, matter how rex, strong rex had modified it uh, yeah but yeah you know i mean it was cool uh i liked the fact that you know they had had their own winter weather uniforms, had their own camouflage uniforms. Actually, mm-hmm. fairly well armed and equipped resistance self, to be honest with
0: you. Very, very. I mean, they still made it look a little hodgepodgy, but they were still fairly
1: well equipped. Well, like the fleets looked hodgepodge because they're all the different types, and you have things that yeah. definitely look like. Is that a warship or no that's just a transport isn't it yeah
0: <laughs> yeah they're definitely beginning to look more like the modern uh, the modern ukraine military than they were like seven months ago
1: <laughs> well i mean it is what it is the ukrainians are getting a shitload of outside equipment
0: exactly so that's my point <laughs> so did the rebels <laughs> So. Um, I got to admit, I'm running a little low here.
1: Oh, I get you, big dog. And I'm okay, because we're kind of coming to the end of most of the Star Wars uniforms anyway. Um, I will say we'll hold off because the Mandalorians deserve some recognition, and we'll dive into that in part two. Yes. how that sound, found.
0: Yeah, I agree with that.
1: I agree with that. It's Mandalirious, man. <laughs> because they That's have hilarious. several different iterations of, uh, armor and uniforms as well that are, that are good to, to go over. But, you know, the, the rebels, you could tell that there was definitely some like American influence to it. <laughs> <laughs> the, the high collars and the stuffiness of the, uh, of the, again, like I said, in, like I mentioned in an earlier video, I did a co- comparison uh, paper in, in English in high school comparing like this, the rebel alliance uh, like the galactic civil war to the American Revolution and mm-hmm. lo and behold most of the uh, most of the Imperials had English accents.
0: Yeah. yeah. By design. <laughs> very very <laughs> stiff upper lip and rigid. Uh-huh. Just very, very uh, very old school empire a Kind of. Yeah. So. All right. Well, wait a minute. You left out the best part.
1: Did you get a good grade? Uh, I got a decent grade. Not as good. I I thought I deserved better. Honestly. Mm. But again... That was before nerd culture, really, I think. Was mainstream.
0: <laughs> okay, so the teacher threw you a pity grade because they had no idea what you were talking about.
1: <laughs> I think the, uh, I maintain that, that the teacher just didn't get me. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but oh, that's me.
1: Uh,
0: that's the story of both of our lives, man. <laughs>
1: Agreed. Uh, get us.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of not getting it, I uh, well, I need to get get catch some Z's here myself. So, um, you think that's the end? Are we looking at the ultimate end?
1: I think we are.
0: All right. Well, until next time, folks. You can catch us on Twitter at those sci-fi guys. Email us at, uh, you know, what was it? Those sci-fi guys at gmail.com. And, uh, until the next time you guys keep dreaming, we'll keep working. So long, everybody.
1: Keep your dress uniform pressed. Keep your battle uniform ready to rock and put together. Because when we take that hill, we'll have the high ground. (laughs) In. <laughs> Tune in for part two of the uniform episode next time. We'll see be on the high ground pub. <laughs> Later everybody.
0: Those sci-fi guys is an independent broadcast by Site Productions, produced by DT Kafman and P.S. McKay. Music courtesy of Kevin Cloud at Encompatech.com. For more information on upcoming episodes, follow P.S. McKay on Twitter at P.S. McKay, or go to ThoseSciFiKais.com for past episode information.